The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. Sarah with Birth Circle, and today I have Julia Aziz with me. And Julia is a licensed clinical social worker and a Reverend Chapel Chaplain, sorry, and a holistic psychotherapist. She's an ordained interfaith minister, and she's on the faculty at AOMA Graduate School of Integrative Medicine. And she supports women struggling with anxiety, grief, and big life changes through individual counseling, hypnotherapy, and the. Re- and the Release and Empower Online Community. That's a weekly women's practice that combines writing, movement, meditation, and personal sharing. And she's also the mother of three children and the author of Lessons of Labor, One Woman's Self-Discovery Through Birth and Motherhood, and When You're Having a Hard Time, the little book that listens. So thanks for joining me today. Yeah, it's great to be with you. So first of all, how did you, you have a lot of background in helping people through just general, the general populations through grief and trauma. So how did you get your little niche in birth and postpartum? Um, I'd say that's probably from my own, from my own experience, having my children. When I, um, I remember the, in the middle of the night after my first baby was born, I was, uh, in shock really. And, um, was just amazed at that everyone had talked about the pain of labor, but they hadn't talked about um, the extreme emotional, mental, spiritual challenge of of facing pain like that and not knowing what's going to happen. And I started just writing it all down. I couldn't sleep at all. And I just like kind of poured it all out. And um, over the course of 10 years, that, that book arrived, but it also really, I had already been working with, um, working with parents before that and, and new moms, you know, as a counselor, but having my own children is what, um, you know, it it was a different depth of experience of my own experience and seeing how it changed me and, and what a challenge it was really the transformation into becoming a mother. Um, and that, you know, made me passionate about supporting moms. Yeah. How old are your children? Um, my kids right now are nine, 12, and 14. So this is still, I mean, you're still postpartum nine years. My baby's nine as well. <laughs> it still like happened yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what is holistic th- psychotherapy? What, what is that and what does it look like? Um, I use it sort of as a blanket term, but basically it means that I integrate, um, mind-body approaches into doing therapy. So generally when people think about talking to a counselor, they're thinking about doing talk therapy and, you know, talking about their problems and listening and strategies and things like that. Um, And I I incorporate, because I also have a background in um, more spiritual and personal growth work um, and have done, you know, work with writing and dance and movement. So I'll incorporate somatic release, um, moving using the body and the voice to release uh, stress and and trauma and you know pent up energy, uh, as well as using mindfulness and meditation. Um, sometimes we talk about different approaches, you know, herbal support. Uh, generally, I'll refer you know to a naturopath or someone for that. Um, but basically, it's it's about taking a a holistic approach to what's going on with somebody. So it's not just about changing strategies in the mind. It's also about how we feel them in the, in the body and, um, and also about how we tune in with the, with the spirit. Got it. So you said the word somatic, what does that mean? Somatic generally refers to body centered approaches um, and it me, I mean, it's again, kind of a blanket term. So depending on, you know, it's used in a lot of different uh, theories and modalities, but the way I use it, I call the work that I do, for instance, in the groups that I run, I call what I do somatic release. And what it really is, is intuitive um, movement and vocalization. So 
I basically am encouraging women to uh, remember remember their wildness to, to kind of go back into their, you know, I'll say like, you know, we were all toddlers at some point. We all knew how to just move around all crazy and like just do whatever felt good in the body, you know? So encouraging women to kind of come back into their bodies, let their body move out, whatever, because we store a lot of emotion and stress in the body. So by just letting the body show you, show show the mind what it needs to do. I mean, also opening up the voice, uh, allowing for kind of like, strange and crazy noises to come mm. out and it's, it's really it's really about um you know we can get women especially are are taught to be you know nice and polite and like kind of stay in this box and do the right thing and take care of people um and somatic release is really about like how can i like just kind of like move that stuff out mm. like wherever it is that i'm holding it um and be more in, intuitive and, and trust trust that my body can show me how it needs to heal. Got it. Okay. So, um, I'm just kind of like touching on all of your points and then I have got some, um, pointed questions about birth, but you're an interfaith minister. And so you work with people from lots of different faiths. What are some of the different approaches that people take, um, according to their different faith communities? Yeah, well, I'd say I I mostly work with people that feel um, that there's not really a place for them in organized religion. Um, I I myself am Jewish, and I went into an interfaith seminary because I really wanted. I, I feel like there's a um, there's a lot of spiritual neglect in the world, and some of that has to do with the way people have been um, disconnected from religion and feel like it doesn't work for them or they have to believe in a certain thing to be involved in it. So a lot of my work is about um, helping people to trust that they can have that own personal connection and that there's a, you know, sort of a personal spirituality where you can, um, however, whatever words you want to use, like I tend to use the words of whoever it is I'm working with, you know, like for some people, God language doesn't feel right, but they connect more with something like, um, universe or source or love or, um, higher self or something like that. But it's, it's really about, um, supporting people in, in dropping down into something that is, uh, quieter and where you feel connected and where you feel that the answers that you need kind of come one at a time. So I feel like I went off, I'm not sure, I went off on a tangent in the question, but you were just saying how to... Yeah, no, I love that where you're talking about using the language of the person, like as the birth team or the provider, using the language of the person, but just as the person, as the birthing, the birthing person, deciding what language you want to use, what I remember assisting a mom in, in, um, in birth and she had recently left, um, organized religion and pretty spectacularly left, like done. Mm -hmm. And we had, you know, common vocabulary that we'd both been raised with, but she was no longer interested in using that vocabulary. And so to sister through her birth, it was, it was, um, it was a cool experience to like, in my mind, shift all my language because everything still, what surprised me is that everything was still true. We just changed words. So instead of saying, you know, God or, or, or say a prayer to Jesus, it was, um, where's your inner light? You know, what does your right. inner light say? It was just like right. really co- kind of a cool experience. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. I'm my, my approach is really to get to the essence of things and to, you know, the, the rest of it is the, it's almost like the outfit that you're wearing, you know, like you might be wearing a different outfit, but underneath there's, there's an essence that is very, that's part of what I find so fascinating about world religions. Like there's a, there's a thread that is similar in all of them. A lot of the teachings are very similar. Um, and so, you know, sometimes people feel like, well, completely alienated from spirituality because they don't connect with religion. But um, the truth is, is that that connection is there for all of us. Oftentimes people find it most in nature. Um, but when it, when it comes to birthing, you know, ways that people might bring that in might be um, songs that are reminiscent of childhood or things that just, you know, really bring them comfort or even being able to pray in a way that is different than the way they learned. Like, you know, when I, when I work with people with prayer, it's not about like, who am I praying to and what does that mean? That's like, 
up here in, in the mind, yeah. you know, it's really about like, what's in your heart, like just speaking from the heart, you know, like just knowing that, um, feeling how love and support are around you, though they may look like it's coming from different sources and not what we're imagining, but really dropping in to uh, appreciate what is there. Yeah. So um, how about trauma? How do you help a woman with severe trauma navigate birth? I think that depends a lot on what the on what the trauma is and how that's showing up for her in the present, you know, because that is really very it's such an individual um, experience when there's been sexual trauma or birth trauma or something that's, you know, very present. That's a really important thing um, to get support with as as a woman's preparing for birth, because that will come up, you know, like in the birthing experience. And um, a lot of trauma work has to do with um, being able to stay in the body and not, and, and not dissociating, you know, being able to stay in the body and being able to, to feel emotions and be able to uh, kind of feel the love and support while staying in the body. What's interesting about birthing is that in a lot of ways, it is a dissociative experience, you know, for a yeah. lot of, you know, well, I was going like to stop you there and say, what's yeah. dissociation and how do you know if you're doing it? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I, I felt uh, definitely disassociating during, especially my first childbirth, you know, because it's just so overwhelming, you know, this whole thing, this whole thing's going on in your body. And it's like, I remember having that experience of like, my mind is like saying all kinds of sort of normal things. All this stuff is going on up here. My body's doing this crazy stuff, you know, and it feels separate. Yeah. Sometimes I I do think the psyche is kind of self-protective in that way. So sometimes when women have had significant trauma that will happen and that's kind of protects them during the experience of childbirth. But, but really childbirth can be a a healing experience for a woman that has gone through, um, has had a lot of trauma, um, especially if she's, she's really gotten the support that she needs before that. And oftentimes that, you know, is working with a therapist, but it can also be working with a a trauma informed uh, body worker, um, I use hypnotherapy with that Mm -hmm. as well. Um, Yeah. How do you, um, how do you differentiate between traumas coming up and anxieties coming towards the birth and hormonal changes? I mean, those are three distinct things, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but they feel all a big mess. Yeah. I think that, um, in the mental health field, especially, we we can make things really complicated, and um, and then everything feels like a lot of work. You know, it's yeah. just so much. It's a, it's all so much work, and so yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa! Amen, amen. Because <laughs> everyone's all about process, and nothing that's yeah. wrong with that. But I just, yeah, that's what our culture is all about: processing and watching yeah. triggers, and and being, and and it just feels like a lot, a lot of yeah. work. Okay. Right. Right. Now I have to process this. Now I have to process that. And then, and then this is, I mean, my yogurt, my all you can eat yogurt place has shut down and now they're, yeah, I have to process that like COVID. Uh (laughs) Right. Oh gosh. Yeah. There's, there's never ending. And I think that that's, you know, maybe part of when we're now all, there's so much stimulation, you know, there's so much trauma. We're we're living in a traumatized, like it's just constantly happening. You know, we have to come back down to the earth and to this moment only, you know, it's like, where is that showing up for you right now? Because people have survived. I mean, we, everyone who's alive here right now comes from a lineage that has survived a lot of things. Yep. (laughs) You know what I mean? So um, people have gone through horrific things, you know, and and you can read, you know, like Viktor Frankl's memoir, you know, Mm or, you know, just like, there's so many examples of people who have um, survived horrible circumstances. So trauma is not, uh, does not mean that you are destined to um, suffer and even process for the rest of your life. You know, like, I like to focus on resilience and, um, and just keeping things simple as to what, what is it in the moment? Not everything has to be processed. You know, I think some things, like one thing I do in, in these women's group, like we start out just by dumping out the mind. So just like all this stuff that's going on and this thing and that thing, and I don't know what happened with this and I feel this way. 
And then um, just doing a little breathing and asking, what does my heart say? Yeah. You know, like sometimes we really just need to be seen and um, feel the compassion of our own hearts and we can't solve it. We can't make it go away. We can't understand it all. We don't get resolution with everything, but we can know that we're loved and we can come back into, okay, am I okay in this moment? You know, in this moment, is my body okay? You know, I have food to eat. I'm breathing. That's all we have. I had somebody tell me actually yesterday that dwelling on the past is depression and thinking too much on the future is anxiety and the present is always peace. Like, and I'm, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> at first, mm-hmm. like my knee jerk reaction was like, nah, I mean, there's somebody's mad at me right now. She goes, well, no, you're sitting right now here in the seat. Right. Are you okay? Well, well, yeah, but, but as soon as I'm done with this, then I'm going to have to get on the phone and solve this problem. And she goes, well, that's in the future. Again, you're right. focusing on the future. And I'm like, oh, you got me, girl. Right, <laughs> right, right. I think that is, I mean, that's where the refuge is, is in coming back into just this moment. Because if I can live through this one moment, then maybe I can live through the next one moment, you know? And it's like yeah. really just slowing it down because we live so much in our heads and all the things that we think we have to do and all the ways that even all the ways that we think we have to heal, you know, it's like healing becomes like a project or something. Yeah. And, and and, and even labor itself, it's every moment. Yes. Every, you just handle them one at a time. You don't get the entire labor in one minute. You handle it as it comes. Absolutely. I mean, that's definitely, I think that's, that's getting into the flow with it. You know, I, I think, um, being able to, be in that contraction and then be in that pause between the contractions, you know, and and I see it so much, you know, like this is what's we're as a culture, as a society, we're in a contraction, you know, like we're in a contraction and then, okay, but everyone's each of us individually has moments of like, okay, you know, and then there might be another contraction. Okay. And then, you know, the contractions are what allows you know, the body to expand, you know? And so it's like, we have to, and the mind, honestly, exactly the mind too. And so it's, you know, I, I think shifting out of this mentality that we're supposed to be, um, sort of happy and everything is, uh, resolved and, you know, like some standard that is not actually what a human experience is, you know, a human experience is, is all of it. It's, it's anger, it's joy, Mm -hmm. it's sadness, it's ecstasy, it's, you know, it's contraction, it's expansion. We just have to be, we, it's like the willingness to be with right now. So, so if you have significant trauma in your past, yeah, coming to centers, coming to present is really helpful, but, but sometimes in labor, in birth, you don't, have the wherewithal to really pull in, like no. things just come up whether you like it or not. So, what are some oh, of the yeah. things that you would recommend doing to kind of help? I mean, especially especially sexual trauma, because birth seems to agitate that. At least in my view, yeah, or in my experience, oh, yeah. watching Absolutely. women, sexual trauma comes up big in birth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is why it is really helpful to do a lot of that, to do a lot of processing and, you know, somatic work before the birth experience, I would say first and foremost to do that. And I don't think there's a recipe. Like, I don't think there's like, okay, these three strategies are going to be the best for anyone who's giving birth, who's had sexual trauma. Like, I really think that finding um, some supportive (coughs) uh, helping professionals, whether that be you know, a therapist and a doula, or, you know, somatic, a body worker um, that really get to know you and what you need and help you, f- help you design sort of what's going to be best. And, you know, for some, I think a lot of times having a focal point is really important, you know, and that's going to be different. What's going to work for each woman, but like really, because it, you know, when you're in birth, it, it you don't want to be a Zen or maybe you want to be, but you can't be really, I don't know anyone who can be like the Zen master. Like I'm just going to, ah, you know, like, yeah. like, it's, this, it's a wild animal experience, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's huge. Right. So 
having the mind be able to focus on something is really important. Um, that's why things like hypnosis um, are helpful, you know, to, to drop down into a, a more trance-like state and um, be able to focus in a different place that can be useful. Um, for some women, you know, it's like being able to, to vocalize is really important. A lot of it, you know, is, is like the setting and who's around you and um, what, what kinds of things are going to make you feel settled in your nervous system. But I, I don't, I don't think that there's like an answer. There's like one answer, like this is what one should do if they're birthing and they've had sexual trauma. I would say to, to any woman that is um, feeling really nervous about that to, to seek help beforehand. Like you don't have to suffer in that alone. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the role of medication versus some of these other natural, well, I don't know, other therapies, alternative ther- therapies. Mm-hmm. And when is, when is medication a good tool? When is it maybe not a great tool? Um, I think that's a question that each each person needs to answer for themselves because I've seen medication be really empowering and and do wonders for people and I've also seen it um, have really hard side effects and worsen symptoms and and make it and, and be kind of too intense too too strong a, a strategy and it there's really, I mean, it, a lot of it to me has to do with whatever we take into our bodies that we feel good about what we're doing, you know? So if you choose to take medication that, you know, I'm taking this, um, because I love myself and I want to, um, regulate my nervous system, or I want to, you know, uh, relieve some of these symptoms I'm feeling. And I, I feel good about doing that. If you're taking medication and you feel shame around it and you don't really want to be doing that and, you know, it might be worthwhile to um, get a second opinion and maybe talk to, you know, a acupuncturist or a naturopath or someone who can talk, to an herbalist, you know, someone who can work with you on um, gentler, gentler methods. But I, again, I don't think there's a one right way. I think it really has to do with trusting where you are and that that's going to change over time. Like for a lot of women, like medication might help them in that year after they have a baby with postpartum depression, but after a while they don't want to be in on it anymore and they, they shift off, you know? So it's, it's about being flexible and knowing what's right for you. Yeah. You mentioned these other modalities like acupuncturists and naturopaths. So talk about um, like some of these other modalities, because I know a lot of people, they just think you just go to a doctor or you go to a psychiatrist, but what are some of these other modalities that you can right. look at? what other, other things can help you. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I'm someone with a, you know, what they call a highly sensitive person who, when I take a Western medication, I I'll get every side effect there is like, it's (laughs) almost like, it's just, uh, it's more intense medicine than my body can process very easily. So I've had a long, many years of, um, exploring alternative medicine and I teach the, the graduate school I teach at is actually acupuncture students. Um, but there are so many, you know, plants have been used throughout human history to help with all kinds of um, physical and emotional issues. So there's so many, there's so many herbal medicines, whether it's Chinese herbs or it's, um, you know, herbs that are local to the place that you live. Um, there's food, you know, changing your diet can make a big difference. Um, healing the gut, you know, can help with anxiety and depression. Uh, hormonal changes, you know, you know, acupuncture can help with that. Uh, herbs, lifestyle changes. There's, there's so many ways that we can help ourselves. And so if you, you know, working with um, some sort of, there, there's so many different types of providers out there um, that I would say to me, it's most important to find somebody that you trust because there's, there's lots of different things that can help you. But I would say generally, you know, when it comes to mental health, um, and alternatives to medication. You know, there are some integrative psychiatrists that you could talk to. There's Mm. also, um, there's also people in the alternative health field that specialize in mental health. So that might be something to look into, but I, I would recommend talking to someone who is uh, professional in that area rather than just kind of playing around and experimenting on your own. If you're having serious 
mm. issues happen because um, herbal medicine often takes longer. You know, it's, it's gentler, so it takes longer to be, to affect something. And so people will give up too soon, you know, but Got if it. you have someone kind of um, overseeing it, it's easier to kind of stay on target and, and to try out some different things. So if, if one technique is not working, like if you're, you say a lot, listen to your heart. So if something's not settling right with you, find a different provider with maybe perhaps a different modality or more resources, different resources. Hmm. You know, for some, some people find like their, their holistic doctor or whatever you want to call them. And it's just like, they always go to them. Like I know, Mm -hmm. I know people who's just like, I only go to this acupuncturist or something and they help me with everything that goes on. For some of us, I'm, I'm one of these people, like that's never worked for me. I haven't felt like this is the person that's like, has saved my life. That's, that's not how it is. So I, you know, to me, I take an intuitive approach. It's like, what's the next best step? You know, what, what am I needing support in right now? I might look at my dreams or might look at, um, uh, you know, sometimes things start showing up in your consciousness a little more often. And you're like, what is CBD oil anyway? You know, I keep hearing about that. Oh yeah. um, Maybe I want to explore that, you know? Um, Oh, I love that. When things come up in your consciousness, it's, it might be a good time then to look into that. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, Facebook takes advantage of such things. <laughs> but there's, there's lots of ways that, uh, yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, or, you know, I haven't, um, been moving enough. Like maybe I'd like to explore some kind of movement oriented therapy, mm, you know, like yeah. it's okay to, to kind of just tune in and, and, and see just what is the next step where am I need it's like we're always balancing like I think we're we're often searching for this balance as it's though it's going to be this stability that will never change and I think mm-hmm. it's really more about balancing it's like oh I've gone I'm getting really anxious and I'm not sleeping you know and so it's like I'm going to need something to balance that in terms of slowing down a little more and grounding and like what do I feel drawn to like what would what do I feel um excited about exploring, you know, like, what do I, what is my body telling me that it needs? Yeah. Um, so I, I just want to go here with you because of your vast experience in helping women across all religious backgrounds as a, as a chaplain, but how do you, how can a mother who grew up in a very rigid religious community, um, that's not really leaving that rigid community, but Um, how can you help her prepare for a more holistic spiritual birth experience? A woman that is, is currently a part of a a part of very rigid. rigid. Yeah. How can you, what would you say to her? And then what would you say to a birth worker trying to assist her? Well, I would try to find someone within her community to support her. You know, I wouldn't try, I'm not the right match for everybody. And I, I think that anyone who says they are is, is missing something, you know, like Mm -hmm. I, I think it's best. It's really important when a woman's giving birth that she feels safe Yeah, more than anything else. I mean, if you just look at animals there, they need to find where they're going to feel safe, you know, like they're going to hide in some kind of cave or something, you know, it's like, that is a primary importance. So, um, there, you know, you, you need, they, she needs to find someone that she feels like she can actually, um, you know, she can breathe deeper around, you know, that she feels comfortable with. Um, so I think it, in terms of, you know, I, and I'd want to know what kind of birth does she want to have? You yeah. Know? And um, who does, who needs to be on her team? Like that has a lot to do. It, it's just such an individual question, you know, like some, I've, I've known women that have had like, not only their, their mother and a doula and a partner, but like every friend and neighbor around yeah. and with them, you know what I mean? And then, then others, it's like, no way. I don't want anyone else there. Like I want mm-hmm. privacy. I don't feel comfortable like that, you know? So, um, yeah, I would look for resources within, within her home community and, and really, <clears throat> you know, if I were to talk with someone in that situation to encourage her to, um, to know, to trust that she knows what she needs best. Yeah. Primarily that's what's important. I love that. And you mentioned before we started recording about ritual that 
sometimes birth can bring out the most beautiful rituals. And if they're like, they're in line with your religious experience that they can be even more meaningful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lot of women don't feel like they have that, you know, feel disconnected from that. I'd say mo- most of the women that I work with feel that way. And, you know, I've sometimes facilitated blessing ways. I don't know if you're familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, and I think it's, it's really freeing to realize like we can, we can be creative, you know, we can make meaning um, out of what's, what's personally meaningful, you know, and, and create our own ritual um, and, and draw from whatever backgrounds you come from, you know, you might even explore, you know, for, especially if a woman feels disconnected from religion or community in that way to kind of explore farther back in her own lineage, you know, like what did the, the, my mother and her mother and her mother and her, you know what I mean? How did, how did birth, you know, how was that supported in the past, you know, and, and just know we all came from somewhere, you know, and we can, we can bring that out with us. Oh, I love the idea of bringing the generations past. That is, oh, that is so yummy. Very cool. Yeah, I know a lot of times I feel like, um, well, I mean, I've just observed that sometimes because our religions don't usually teach anything specific around birth, that yeah. women kind of feel like they're going into birth into an unknown <laughs> and they don't have the, I mean, there's always a, there's, there's a religious ritual around what you do on Sunday or what you do on Wednesday night or what you do in the morning or how you pray or what you wear or, or what you eat, when you eat it. Um, but there's not a lot of religious except blessing way, which is, which is a, a native tradition. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they have a lot of, or the quarantina in the Mexican culture, they have these rituals, but a lot of, a lot of religions don't have well, I think it's just not been, it's not being recorded. I mean, a lot of um, institutionalized religions are, are not recording women's experiences. Like what, what oh, were the women doing? <laughs> what were the women doing? You know what I mean? So um, I don't know if you ever read the Red Tent, but um, that book always just really struck a chord for me of like, you know, the way that women supported each other in birth before we had hospitals and things like that, yeah. you know, like when there's midwives and, and the women gather around and they're, they're helping her and, you know, it's, that's, that's passed down. So I think that, um, we all come from people where those rituals were happening and those, it's just that we've got, we've lost it. You know, we kind of like lost the chain and now, um, more and more are really yearning for that. Um, but it's so there. Maybe, I think we just have to go farther back. Yeah. Go farther back. And maybe like, if you don't know the farther back pulling in ritual, like I know there's a midwife locally that loves to invite the partner to like physically bless the birthing person, like mm-hmm. put their hands on, on her and give her a blessing. And I think that's such a cool, like small ritual that she, she, and she says she asks them, you know, before they before they go into the birthing time, she asks them if that's okay. Would it would it be okay if I feel when I feel like the timing is great? Would would you yeah. be okay? If and I I've, I've seen that that that's lovely that <laughs> they pull yeah, that in. Absolutely. You know that they they get he, um the partner has the opportunity to pray pray over their spouse, and I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's so many so many creative and beautiful ways that we can we can bring that in, you know, one of my favorite, I don't actually know where this comes from. I'm sure it, it comes from somewhere in the blessing way. I don't know if you've seen this where you tie a string around mm-hmm. the wrist and you pass it around and, and then introduce yeah. yourself. Like I am Julia, daughter of Betty, granddaughter yep. of Helen and Hilda. Yeah. And each woman is, you know, like naming the mothers before her, you know, I think that's a really beautiful way to kind of call in like you are you are one in a line here you know what I mean like and you're supported from yeah behind as well as around you yeah I love that tradition and then you wait until the baby she's in labor and then you can cut your dirty bracelet yeah you you wear your piece of dental floss no just kidding (laughs) sorry not dental floss embroidery floss or um we have one gal around here that makes it out of beautiful silk so you feel Mm. a little less yeah, yeah. Embroidery flossy. <laughs> I'm sure dental floss would work too. So what do you what do you say about the weird dreams that women get in pregnancy? Can mm. like dreams be used to access like bits of healing or like be able to calm anxiety or find, you know, 
yeah. to find balance in the process. What the heck with the dreams? <laughs> I know pregnancy dreams are amazing, vivid. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful time to do some dream work. I mean, the 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 best piece I'd say of advice around that I'd say is just to keep a journal right by your bed, you know, so that you catch it as soon as you wake up. They even sell, I have a little pen that has a little flashlight on it. So you can even write in the dark if you need to. Um, but yeah, to just, you know, try to capture it as soon as you can. And then to do some exploratory work with it. Um, Robert Moss is somebody that I, I really like um, his approach with active dreaming. He has you like title the dream and kind of go back into it and see what it might be trying to teach you. And is this, uh, you know, some, some dreams are sort of psychic dreams. Other dreams are more about processing what's going on with you. Some might have to do with somebody else. Um, but there's so much, um, there's so much material there, you know, yeah. and especially in pregnancy, um, you know, so, so much material there that might be also really fascinating for you later once that baby becomes a child and you get to know them, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot to, there's a lot to explore with dreams. The reason I like his approach is that it's not so much, um, interpreting like this means this, and this means that, yeah. you know? Cause there's a lot, if you dream about baby animals, it means this. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think it's, um, I think there's more depth to it than that. Yeah. I mean, what does it mean when I dream about nothing but chocolate in my, <laughs> low you might want some chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean the dreams and some of us just hormonal, right? I mean, you're just bathing, you're like marinating in these hormones. <laughs> It's, it's incredible. It's such a, <laughs> it's such a powerful experience. I mean, I think it's, um, it's, it's sort of, it's like all things in one, you know, it's, it's like every emotion there is all the hormones, every physical sensation there is. It's, it's, I, to me, it's like such a, um, really coming into the animal body, you know, it's Ooh. like, this yeah. is um, remembering our animal selves. And, and to me, that's sort of like a, the divine feminine, you know? Yeah, I love kind that. Of that. like wild and creative yeah. and destructive. And, <laughs> well, yeah. and when you're talking about being in the present, well, animals are always in the present. Animals yeah. don't worry about the past or the future. So yeah. I like that yeah. comparison. It's kind of coming into our animal body. Yeah. Staying present. Yeah. Yeah. And watching, I don't know if, if you've ever seen animal, an animal give birth, but I've only gotten to see that a few times, but it's, it's, I don't know. I think it, it could be a cool thing to do in preparation, Totally. Um, you know, because it's, it's, it's just amazing to, to watch that and see, um, yeah, see how present it is and, and raw, you know, and to give ourselves permission to be that raw too. Yeah. It's empowering. So I want to, since you have such great experience in as a chaplain, I wanted to go a little bit into the loss realm. Mm -hmm. So what would you, what would be your advice for pregnancies that end in loss? How can you help a mom transition from the state of managing the anticipation and the fear mm -hmm. of, of what might happen and, and to the state of, of just managing grief? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's really important to have a lot of patience around grief and it's, there's so much when you have with a pregnancy loss, because it's not only the loss of this child, it's also the loss of all these dreams that, yeah. the, that the couple or the mother had. And, um, and then there's this, I mean, really she's given birth, you know, so there's also all the hormonal changes of, um, of that happening. And so uh, the first thing I would say is to, to give a lot of, um, is basically to give a lot of space to it, like to really not rush or think that you're supposed to get over it really quickly. Um, for some women might want to talk about it and others might not want to, you know, it's really about giving permission um, to let feelings come through. And there's a lot of emotion with losing a baby, with losing a with losing a pregnancy as well as, um, again, like this massive hormonal shift that she's going through. And so, um, you know, I think part of supporting that is, you know, moving through like kind of the, the phase where there's shock and also there's all the physical recovery that's going on, but to, to be able to, um, honor that the way that we honor other losses 
-hmm. you know, so some, whether that's, um, just a private altar or memorial or, you know, a burial or some, some way it's like for, for when other people die, we have a funeral and we gather and we talk about them. And it's really hard with a pregnancy loss because there's so few that are connected and no one is connected quite as much as the parents and especially the mom who had was the one who had this child inside her. Um, or even, you know, sometimes there's mis miscarriages and, and that's a whole, you know, that can be a different level of loss of feeling like I didn't, there was no one in there and I felt this, you know, and it's, there's just so much emotion that comes with it. So, but even honoring, you know, honoring that entire experience is really important. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. Um, I think it has to fit with, with who you are, but some way of, you know, having a, a memory of a way of honoring, like this is, this was real and this happened and this love was real. Um, these dreams were real. Um, is, is an important part of the process. And then also just not just really letting go of these expectations that it's supposed to, it's supposed to go a certain way, you know, and there are some women that they kind of like the way of coping is that within a, you know, a week or two, they're like, all right, let's try again, you know, and that's, that's one woman's way of coping. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And it's also okay. If you're someone that it takes, you know, you're crying for, for months, you know, and it's, and it's really like something that you, cause it might bring up other losses, you know, it's like one loss. Grief is like that, you know, you have a loss and it will bring up like, you know, when your dad died, you know, it's yeah. like bring up a lot of different things. So, um, a lot of permission, a lot of compassion, um, you know, people will say things that aren't always oh so helpful, <laughs> like zero helpful. <laughs> right. So you, you may, you know, a lot of, you might need to take some space from them for a little while, you know, and just be around people that, that are okay with you talking, come up, not talking really, or, come up with some really snarky replies. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think if, if you're somebody who doesn't know what to say in those situations, just doing something like, you know, bringing a meal or a book or a card or something, you know, just like showing you love someone is is better than telling them, oh, it's okay. You'll get over it. You'll have another baby. Like that's useful. Yeah. To know, nobody. We should do, we should do an epi- We could do an entire episode <laughs> of things not to say. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. All the things yeah. not to say. Yeah. Yeah. But I love, I love you talking about that. You t- talked about patience, especially patience with yourself, but also patience with the grieving person and everybody grieves on a different timeline. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be different with it. You know, if there's a couple that, you know, and one is one deals with these things different than the other, you know, that can happen as well. And it's just, um, everybody processes differently. And I guess it's okay. Sometimes it's hard. Um, I've had some friends have some incredible losses recently and, and it's hard. Like, what do you say? What do you not say? How do you, how do you be there for them? And one gal that I'm closest to, I just asked her, I was like, is it okay if we keep talking about your child? Like, is it okay if I like bring up their birthday and like bring up their, like, oh my gosh, that reminds me of, of that, of that child. And she goes, yeah, actually that would be really nice. And I was like, it's not going to trigger you or anything. She goes, no, it'll just, I was like, okay, well, I just had a big girl conversation, (laughs) but maybe for others that wouldn't be like helpful. Right. I think it's great that you asked her, you know, I think it's, it's great that you asked her and got that, that affirmation. And, and sometimes it's just like a matter of, you know, sending a text, like thinking of you, like, I love you, you know? Yeah. Just, just, just letting someone know that they're, they're on your heart in that way. Um, and yeah, I think remembering, I, a, a really dear friend of mine um, lost triplets. This is quite a few, quite some years ago now. And, you know, every um, year on that anniversary of their birth and death, they were um, stillborn. I, I would just reach out to her, and, you know, and just, yeah. what are you going to, you know, you're not, what are you going to say? But it's, it's really just like, I'm thinking about you. I love you. You know, I remember this day with you. Yeah. You know, it's just, I think that um, there's this, when you see somebody suffering, it's natural to want to fix it or make it better. Yes. I know that's the problem. So, yeah. Right. And so with grief, it's, it's just important to, to know, okay, it's not my job to fix it. And if I try to, that's going to make this person feel really unseen and, and probably 
way guarded against, you know, so it's like, uh, it's not, there's nothing to fix. It's, it's part of the human experience loss. This is, you know, every, everyone we love and attach to, we will lose at some point. I mean, whether it's we die or they die. There's, I mean, there's sorry. the somber moment. Sorry, by the way. Sorry to break it to you. I know. But, you know what I mean? my bubble. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, it's um, coming into acceptance of that. It's like, okay, it's all right to feel really sad sometimes. It's all right to feel angry. It's okay to be grieving and and be laughing, you know, to have moments where you don't, where you feel just fine and then kind of crash again, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think to be a good friend to someone is really just about allowing that to be okay. Just letting someone know that um, you're open to to talking, you're open to not talking, like that you can kind of just go with what needs to happen in that moment and, and take yourself off of the, you know, I, I, it is not your job to fix it because you can't, and it's better not to pretend there's something you can do. Oh, I love that. I love that. It's not your job to fix it. <laughs> I mean, we get that, but in so many other parts, you're like, oh, you lost your job. I'm sorry. That sucks. You know, like, hey, you know, we want to come up for dinner. Yeah. Like, but but when when it's a death, and especially the death of a baby or, or the loss of a pregnancy, it's like we just don't even know how to like be ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really, it's more about listening than what you say. You know, it's more about mm. just checking in. And a lot of times when people have a loss, like in the beginning, everyone's like, oh, are you okay? Oh my gosh, what happened? And then, you know, a week later, maybe somebody says something, but a month later, nobody's really checking in anymore, you know? And yeah. so I think if you can be the friend that does check in and be like, how's it going? You know, I'm thinking about you. And maybe they don't want to talk about it. Maybe they do. I don't know. But you're basically, you're just letting them know that you're available and um, that you you know that they're still, that this is still with them, you know, yeah. while everybody's kind of moved on, but you yeah. know that that's something they're still carrying. That's cool. So do you have a favorite phrase or a mantra that you like to give moms to help them like continually release fear as they prepare for their births? Hmm. I don't know if I have, um, I mean, I'd say, yeah, I don't know if I'd have a mantra that for, for all women, but I do think, you know, something to do around trust, something to do around surrendering and, and trust. And those words might not resonate for everybody specifically. So I guess, I guess you would advise them to write their own based on Yeah, I would, I would advise a woman to, to, you know, what is it that, that she needs to, um, what, like, basically, what is it that settles your nervous system? You know, like, what makes you like, <sighs> chocolate, <laughs> you could use chocolate, you could okay. like, you birthing know, thing is like eating chocolate. chocolate is birthing. <laughs> no, I'm just the word chocolate while you're having a contraction. I just you know I mean? But I, lo- I love that. So finding something that calms your nervous system. Yeah. And, and just remembering, like, it's, it's, it's safe to trust my body. You know, my body can do this on its own. It's you know, safe I to don't, trust my body. I don't well. need to control this. You know, this is about letting go of control and trusting my body. My body knows exactly how to do this. My body was made to do this. Yeah. And what happened in the past and what might happen in the future, it doesn't matter. <laughs> There's nothing we can do about it. Like all the rest, you know, I sometimes talk to clients about like these two lists of like, what can I do and what's out of my hands, you know, and there's so much out of our hands. And when it comes to giving birth, it's like so many things outside of our control. Don't have control over that. Like that goes not in my bucket. That's not in my, you know, what can I do? Like what I can do is I can ask only the people that I'm going to feel most comfortable and supported by to be there if possible. You know, I'm going to, um, yeah, if there's whatever it is, like maybe it's music and blah, blah, blah. But all, all of those things, in the end, it's really your, you and your body. You know, it's like really, all it really takes is you and your body, you know. So it's trusting, um, just trusting that the body, we, we, you know, a woman's body was made to, to give birth, you know. Otherwise, this, this is how it's, how it's meant to happen. Yeah, and you can see it in other animals too. It's just meant yeah. to happen and... It knows, it has its own intelligence. 
you know, the like body we overthink has, you don't need it. to take a class, right? Like no, no. classes to, to learn how to give birth. But the truth is we're animals and our bodies give birth. So it's much simpler than we're making it. <laughs> you said I think before. we make everything more complicated. Yeah. It's like this. And I think that, you know, some of what's happening in this pandemic and, and so many things shutting down, you know, just there's so many losses going on now, you know, but a lot of what's happening is like, we're having to slow down and get things simpler you know, like what is really important? You know, we, there's still a food supply here. Like awesome, you know, <laughs> good. <laughs> let's, let's, let's be grateful for what we've got. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. So how do people find more about you? Find your book? Um, just yeah. To- um, my website is just my name.com. So www.juliaaziz.com. Um, and I have a, a newsletter and a blog and um, this online community and all, all kinds of things. But that's where you can find. Is it a know, Facebook group? Um, no, this is um, it meets once a week on Tuesday evenings. And we do we basically do self-healing practice together. So we do a writing practice and we do what I'm talking about, somatic release um, a guided meditation, and then a, a brief sharing where we're just witnessing each other rather than um, doing crosstalk. And so it's it's like a, a weekly practice for women who are often caregiving for other people like moms yeah. uh, to make some space for themselves, for their own. And this is online, healing. right? Mm-hmm. Do you do it on Zoom yes, or Facebook? Do, uh, Google Meet. Google Meet. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. So to find out more about that, they just go to your website, Julia Aziz. Yeah. And you can look up uh, the release and empower groups, release and empower online. Awesome. And your books are on Amazon. Yes. Cool. Thank you so much. It's been really, really interesting. Thank you so much for your insight. Oh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Sarah. Please visit us at birthcircle.com. Join our Facebook groups or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience.